a bus driver and a pastor died and were standing at the door of heaven, at the pearly gates. And Peter looked at the bus driver and said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter and live forever in that large mountain on top of a hill. Well, the pastor thought to himself, Hey, the bus driver got a big mansion on top of the hill. Can't wait to see what I'm going to get. Peter turned to him and also said, Well done. You get the little cottage at the bottom of the hill in the valley. The pastor was surprised by this, and he said, Peter, how come a bus driver got a beautiful mansion and I get a, a dinky little cottage? And Peter said, you have to understand, Pastor, when you preached, people fell asleep. <laughs> but when the bus driver drove, they prayed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let us pray. Holy and gracious Father, we thank and praise you, and we ask that you would speak to us this morning. This is a hard passage, but we don't understand it. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear the good news in this passage, that because of Christ, we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, Lord, help us hear those words today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When you stand before the Lord on that final day, when you stand before the Lord what will he say to you? Will he say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? I've asked five people this week that question. And all five said, I don't know what he's going to say. And I said to them, wrong answer. I said, don't you understand? There's only one question that matters. The question that God will ask you is, what have you... Do you know my son? And if the answer is yes, I know your son, Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. To that, God will say, well done, good and faithful, faith-filled servant. Remember what the Apostle Paul tells us. To the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted or credited as righteousness. In other words, the high and holy calling, the high and holy work for us to do, the greatest thing that we can ever do is to believe in Christ. And to you who believe in Christ, you will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. But doesn't this sound a little too good to be true? Doesn't it really? To think that that's all? That's all that's needed? Belief in Jesus? It sounds a little too good to be true. I think many of us think of justification like one of those letters you receive in the mail that says, hey, you might be a multi-million dollar winner. <laughs> right? When you open up, you go, oh, I hit the jackpot. And your mind starts racing. You go, well, I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to buy a house for loved ones, I'm going to go on that vacation, I'm going to donate to Pastor Russ's slush fund. Just <laughs> Even as you're thinking, you go, man, the IRS has taken so much of my money, 40% of this tax. I mean, you're going, I'm not going to have enough. I mean, you have all these things that go on in your head when you get that letter. But then common sense sets in. You read the fine print. 
You understand that this is simply a marketing scheme, hoping that you would buy a subscription to a magazine or two. I had a friend in seminary who, who was a sucker for these kinds of things. And he it was right when the internet was really going, and he would tell us, guys, you've got to sign up for all these free things on the internet. They're great. You're going to get all these products. And he would try to get all of us to sign on, and we're like, I don't know about this. And what's funny is by, about, by the end of the year, we'd ask if he received any of those products. He said, no, the only thing I got were viruses on my computer. <laughs> right? We know how things work. We know how this world operates. Nothing in life is free. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Pay now or? You know how it works. It always works this way. In our parable... It's the third servant who understands how the world works. He, know, he knows nothing in life is free. He knows that there is always a cost. That's why he doesn't put the money in the bank. You can't trust those bankers, not back then. Can you trust them now? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, out bankers out there. In fact, can you trust anyone? Did you hear, and this is a true story, about Marilee Jones, the dean of MIT? Last year, she had to resign. And the reason was because she submitted her, her resume 28 years ago and is filled with fabrication. All lies about what she had done so that she could get the job. And what's so interesting about Marilee Jones is that she wrote a number of books. And in one of her books, she says these words, having integrity is sometimes very hard to do. Because the temptation may be to cheat or cut corners. Well, I guess she knows that. <laughs> but just remember, what goes around comes around. It is never wise to cheat. She wrote those words. She didn't live those words. And I guess she should have followed her own advice. Now, if we can't trust anyone, if the people who are writing books on integrity we can't trust, who can we? It seems the third servant has it all figured out. He doesn't trust the bankers. He doesn't trust the master. He understands the master gave him a talent, but the master's going to want it back. Why risk something that even if you get a profit, you're going to have to give it back? And if you don't turn a profit, and if you lose it, you're going to get punished. Isn't it simply better to dig a hole Hide that talent. That way you're safe. That way you won't get in trouble. Listen to what the, the, master, the servant says to the master in verses 24 and 25. He says, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid of you and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. When you hear those words, there's something that you should automatically realize. This servant doesn't know the master at all. He doesn't know the master at all. The first thing he says about the master is that you harvest where you have not sown. Is that the master? Does he, does he gather where he hasn't scattered seeds? If you read scripture, that's not how it works. 
God is the gracious master, the gracious sower, who's abundant with his seed, who throws it all over the place, who calls his church to scatter the seed. Throw it on the hard ground. Maybe a bird will pick it up and deposit somewhere else. Throw it amongst weeds and, and thorns, rocky soil. Throw it everywhere so that there could be a rich harvest. That's who the master is. Not one who, who takes in places that aren't his. This master, this servant doesn't understand who the master is at all. Even more, it says, I was afraid of you. Doesn't he understand what God has said all throughout Scripture? Always to his people when they have fear? Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Does this servant understand the master at all? I don't think so. In truth, this servant doesn't know the master. And so he's called wicked and lazy because he trusts the wisdom of the world instead of trusting the master. And so he hides the talent. And in doing so, he buries himself. Remember what Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and, and put under a basket, but on the stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This wicked servant doesn't know the master. He doesn't do anything. He trusts the world but not the master. The other two servants are a bit different, aren't they? They do not trust the wisdom of the world. They trust the master. When the master entrusts to them the talents, they, they receive it as a great honor. There is no fear in this because they don't fear the master. They love the master. Instead, they immediately go and work for their beloved master. And over a long time, and I love it says a long time. It's not tomorrow, but it's over a long time. And you don't know how many fortunes were they up or down. They might have been up 40 talents, down to two talents, up seven, down to three. You don't know because the master's graciousness gave him time, a lot of time. But at the end, they were able to present to the master the money. And filled with joy and excitement, they were able to say, look, the talents have doubled. And the Greek is really important. There's no ego in there, so it really isn't, look what I've done. It really is, look, look what the talents have done. Look at what you've given me has done. It's so good, that, that gift you gave me is so good, it, it, it can't help itself. That's the kind of language there. It's accomplished its purpose. And so they're filled with joy. And the master's filled with joy. And so he says to them, enter into my happiness, or as, as all the other translations say, and you've heard this, and it's so beautiful, enter into my joy. Enter into my joy, the master says. Why? Because if you know anything about the master at all, you know that God loves a party. Jesus turns water into wine. Why? So the party could continue and go on. The master is the one who kills the fatted calf at the return of the prodigal son. What did the prodigal son have to show for himself? Anything? No. He had no talents to even show. He, he, at least, he at least had the courage to blow it on loose living. 
instead of hiding in the ground. It's true. I mean, I sat there. <laughs> or the master's the one who gives out free champagne and caviar for wedding guests who are brought in from the highways and the byways. The master's the one who, who pays a full day's wage to those who work only one hour. The master is good, generous, loving. That's what the servants knew. That's what they trusted. Just this week, I was talking to my dad about this parable, and he just said, Russ, I, I struggle with this parable. I said, I said, Dad, that master is the same one who, who's the father and the prodigal son. And that moment he went, oh. <laughs> it's the same one. It's good and gracious Jesus. It's our good, gracious Father who, who loves us. Suddenly that makes all the difference. One is good and gracious Jesus. That's one I can trust in. In fact, in this parable, what's important is, is not what they present, but it's the faith that drives their work. It's the faith that in the master that drives their work. That's why they're commended. As Luther explains, true good works are those acts that flow from faith, which is the finest, greatest, and noblest of good work. That's the good work, to believe the Son, to trust the Son, to be so free in the Son. Why not let it ride? Why not put it to work? God's good and gracious. And so to them, the master says, well done. Good and faithful, faith-filled servant. Well done. But isn't this still a bit too easy? Do we really want to teach our children this? Won't they take advantage of the master? And the answer is, I hope so. I hope they take advantage of this. Because the question in this passage is not, what kind of servant are you? The question is, what kind of master is God? Is he a, a, a mean master that you're afraid of who takes what's not his? Or is he a good and gracious master who says, come unto me all who are weak and heavy laden? And I will give you rest. Don't you see? Everything depends on that question. That's the question. And so let me remind you one more time who the master is. The master is no one other than sweet Jesus. This master has given you many wonderful gifts. Jesus died on the cross for you in order that you might have eternal life. Jesus did not abandon you. He sent the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. Jesus gave you holy baptism to unite yourselves to him. Jesus is present in this meal for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so this gracious master says, use these gifts. Rely on these gifts. Put these gifts to work. Baptize the nations. Share the gospel. Take and eat. Receive them. Use them. Enjoy them. Rely on them. Take advantage of them. Because they are simply a foretaste of that joyful Happy, glorious, gracious, heavenly feast that is to come. A party filled with sinners 
redeemed by Christ, change when they see Christ face to face. Sinners whom the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>